another episode of Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast produced by your El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. I'm your host, Michelle Luevno, and on today's episode, we have USI Southwest President Rob Pridemore as our guest talking about insurance and coverage in the age of COVID-19. Before we get started, of course, we want to thank our partners, Sun City Carpets. Unfortunately, due to social distancing and stay-home orders, we are recording from home instead of our Sun Carpet studio, but we can't wait to get back to our home base soon. Also, of course, we also want to thank Epicenter. If you are looking for commercial real estate in the El Paso area, make sure to give Epicenter a call. And now our session with USI Southwest President Rob Pridemore. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday morning. We are very excited to have you all with us today. My name is Michelle Luevno. I am the project director of the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center, which is operated by the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. So without further ado, it is my extreme pleasure to introduce our guest speaker for this morning, Mr. Rob Pridemore. He is the president of USI Southwest. Mr. Pridemore, thank you so much for doing this for us and for our members this morning. Yes, I appreciate the opportunity. So hello and good morning. My name is Rob Pridemore. I'm the president of USI Insurance here in El Paso. Uh, USI, we are a top 10 broker in the US. We're corporately headquartered out of New York, but locally we've always been known uh, as Rogers and Belding uh, with our building just off of I-10 near the Five Point areas. We're now in the Mills building downtown, but we have the same people that have been there for a number of years. It's a great group of folks there. So I've lived in El Paso for 32 years and I've worked in insurance for 25. I have multiple state licenses, uh, industry designations. I'm a licensed risk management uh, risk manager. And so, um, you know, we have been uh, doing work from home now since March 23rd. So uh, tomorrow will be 30 days. And like everyone else, uh, we are anticipated to be back around 15th-ish. So we'll see how things go. And we look forward to getting back to work. Uh, I say that as... Uh, Many people, I have to give an apology in advance now with work from home. You may uh, uh, hear a phone ring, a dog bark, or uh, something along that line. So uh, please bear with me, but I think everybody's uh, given a little bit more grace uh, nowadays. So I look forward to getting back to the office, but I will have to say that I miss uh, you know, the dog being here with me at work uh, here at home. So other than that, look forward to getting back to the office. So. Uh, what I am going to do today, I, I specialize in property and casualty insurance. I'm not going to be discussing anything about the health insurance today. So uh, I'm going to give an overview of the current situation and then go into some main lines of insurance coverage that uh, will be tested in this event uh, that was unprecedented. Uh, of course, everybody, uh, nobody saw this type of a pandemic event coming both how coverage may be applicable and how it'll be challenging uh, for different lines of coverage. Now, these are unprecedented times that have created a lot of unknowns and how the insurance industry and various legislative branches and legal jurisdictions will ultimately respond to the many different claims and coverage scenarios. There's a lot of information uh, out there and it's all over the board uh, from legal counsel to consultants to CNN to Fox to you name it. Uh, USI, uh, we're monitoring coverage situations closely. Now, this leads me a little bit to the legal disclaimer, which I'll be repeating later for those who are late to the call. 
And that's it. Insurance policies come in all shapes and sizes. And I'm not here to tell you one way or the other how your coverage will ultimately uh, be provided or declined. Only the insurance claims adjusters uh, can make that coverage determination. Your insurance agent should not really even make that determination. It should be the insurance carrier and the insurance adjusters. With any claim, policy wording, specific triggers will determine the applicability of coverage. Your insurance carrier will evaluate every claim fully on its own merits. Now, based off of that statement, and that kind of precludes me from playing the scenario game, which sometimes in our industry happens. And that kind of sounds something like, hey, Rob, I have an insurance a property policy through, name the insurance company. Do you think I have, uh, I should put in a claim? Do you think it'll be covered? You know, at this, uh, this kind of situation, the answer is a big unknown. Now, one of the questions is, who actually buys insurance specific to cover events like this? So who bought insurance for pandemic coverage? Here, if you can, on my screen, Wimbledon. Wimbledon, for the past 17 years, has been paying $2 million a year for pandemic insurance. So they paid a total of $34 million over that time period and their expected payout will be 141 million. Um, also, if you look, here's an article. This insurance would have helped in coronavirus crisis, but nobody bought it. So this is an article about Pathogen RX, a Marsh product that was provided uh, for people, for governments, for large businesses to purchase for such event as Corona. It says, while there may still be time to buy the product for future pandemic, COVID-19 is off limits. Unfortunately, it's too late. The coronavirus is excluded from coverage. That would not have been the case as recently as last November before this all made it out. But you can't buy insurance for your house when it's already on fire. So that, those are just some of the types of coverage that are specific, that were available, that were purchased for something like this. Um, I give certain advice to clients. My clients, by the end of this, you will uh, know where I stand. Uh, it should be fairly evident of what advice I'm giving to my clients. But um, each situation is very uh, exclusive to each one of the insurance policies, insurance carriers, and your specific uh, situation as a business. So you need to contact your agent and your insurance carrier to get the advice that's most appropriate for you. Now, I'm gonna now go through some of the most common lines of coverage and discuss how coverage may or may not apply and the possible challenges. Uh, I'll have the business interruption coverage that's in the property policies, which are probably the most, uh, the one that people are looking to most. And we'll leave that for last because that requires more conversation or the most conversation. So first let's go into workers' compensation. The intent of workers' compensation is not to cover claims for communicable and contagious disease. In past years, 
employees that you have, they'd catch the flu, but you wouldn't submit a workers' comp claim as they got the flu. But there may be exceptions depending on how and where disease like the coronavirus is contracted. So considerations are given based on whether the claim arises out of and in the course of employment. So that's the key component there. If the disease arises out of and in the course of employment or where an employee may place an employee at increased risk. So each situation is examined on a case-by-case -case basis to determine the compensability and should be reported accordingly. If there's a claim, if an employee alleges that the COVID uh, infection happened in the course of an employment, uh, reported immediately, just like you would report any serious claim to the insurance carrier. Do not voluntarily start paying a claim, uh, pay for anything beyond first aid, and then turn it over and expect the insurance carrier to uh, be paying it. Be in touch with them from the get-go. So turn the claim over, have the conversation, and uh, get the claim in uh, to the carrier. A challenge will be to prove that the disease was in fact contracted during employment and that it wasn't caught elsewhere. Now, if you have multiple employees that wind up affected and uh, you know one person comes to the office and exhibits symptoms and uh, after that multiple people, uh, the, the chances are fairly great that that will be proved or if uh, employees are in the medical field uh, ambulances, things like that, uh, they have a larger uh, possibility that it was within the course of scope. But on day-to-day -day, uh, retail business, uh, generally it'll be a difficult thing to prove that uh, a, an employee caught uh, corona specifically during the course of, uh, course of employment. The next insurance coverage is general liability. Now general liability it provides coverage for third-party bodily injury. So it's people of the public. Um, they come onto your premise, people you do business with, people that buy a product, and it covers bodily injury for your negligence. Somehow you cause their bodily injury. So someone would have to allege that you gave them coronavirus. So again, it's not advisable that if somebody makes an allegation that uh, it was your restaurant, your uh, location where I caught this, it was your negligence. Uh, do not just go and start making, voluntarily make payment and assume the obligation or make, incur any expense without your insurer's consent. Otherwise, you're, you may be surprised that they come back and uh, point to some exclusion in the policy and then you, you basically admitted guilt. So be sure and talk with uh, your insurance carrier before uh, you start making any uh, possible payments outside of first aid. The coverage challenge for general liability, a claimant of that third party, that person of the public would have to allege that the virus was contracted because of your negligence. And they'd, be able, they'd have to be able to localize how, when, and where it was contracted. And that's a, that's a very difficult standard to meet. And so, Again, general liability claims, certain industries, perhaps restaurants, some others, uh, may be a little bit more exposed to possibly have a claim. 
but uh, large in part, this would be a difficult claim for a third party, a person of the public to, in fact, uh, prove that they were exposed to corona based off of your negligence. Another line of coverage is employment practices liability. To be clear, employment practices liability, this excludes bodily injury. So it's not gonna cover someone who alleges or has health bills or expenses or something happened. Uh, employment practices liability typically covers allegations for discrimination, sexual harassment, wrongful termination, and other types of EEOC related claims. And this is not particularly a coverage that we expect to see a corona uh, type claim, but it's actually the companies that incur layoffs. When layoffs occur, we tend to see people allege that they were fired for the wrong reason, that they were laid off for the wrong reason. So if a company uh, has to lay off 10% of their workforce or a certain number of employees, uh, many who may lose their income decide that they were somehow discriminated against and they were let go when in fact it should have been someone else. And so we expect to see a spike in claims for employment practices liability, not specifically to Corona, but the outcome of what the impact economically that is going to occur due to Corona. Cyber, again, you think, what does cyber have to do with Corona? And actually, um, as the COVID-19 pandemic creates potential chaos, it opens the door for criminals to increase cyber attacks. Companies will be more susceptible to attacks as their operational capabilities are reduced and employees are being unable to perform their usual task by, and now they're having to work remotely. The work from home scenarios may increase the risk of attacks as they look to exploit the hackers, the cyber thieves look to exploit possible open and unsecured networks. So now uh, networks are much more at risk because uh, employees are going through Wi-Fi, they're sometimes using their own computers, et cetera. So you've got to be mindful of suspicious network activity and emails that could lead to data or network breach. Unfortunately, um, cyber, cyber thieves, cyber attacks have no morals, so they'll take advantage of a bad situation. So let me give you a few scenarios of how you could see potentially claim. So you have an employee, I'm just gonna name, make up some names and some stories. Say you have an employee, Trevor, he's working from home for the first time. He loves the freedom and flexibility, but he doesn't really read the company's policy or is not very vigilant or prudent about what he does on his computer. And he misses the fact that his home PC is not protected with updated security, software, latest operating system, patches, et cetera. And so in downtime on calls on hold with IT, whatever it may be, he's probably searching and looking around the internet more than he would. So again, that's an increased possible problem for your company. Let's say another person, uh, their home PC is faster than the work laptop. So they like to get a thumb drive or a USB stick and they'll take information off their work uh, laptop, put it on their personal faster you know, laptop, do the work, or they can email it back and forth between the two PCs. 
Well, anytime they do that, uh, they're opening up their personal PC and the lack of security there to the company's network. You know, unbeknownst to, to an employee, they can have a key logger uh, cyber attack where all their keys are being logged uh, for passwords and passcodes on their personal computer. And when they bring it over to the network, now a key logger can uh, basically monitor and take passwords and uh, passcodes from people in the network. So another scenario that is kind of unique with cyber liability, let's give the scenario where uh, a family member is worried about say an elderly mother's health and they go on and they're constantly searching the internet for the latest guidance and tips on how to get a COVID test or mask or gloves or cleaner. And some of the best information is on some of these Asian websites or European websites. And the URL uh, you know, looks legitimate. It says HTTPS colon backslash backslash. So she's not so concerned. But in actuality, um, that could be a front uh, website for you know, a hacking operation. And it has happened. So I'm going to go to the screen here. And it says uh, Wall Street Journal. Coronavirus cybersecurity fallout may not be felt for weeks or longer. And it goes saying how millions of Americans are going home and working remotely. And Federal officials warned that hackers smelled blood. But the fallout for coronavirus-related breaches may not become clear for weeks, months, or even longer, experts say. So I recommend to everybody to send an email to their employees to be sure and be vigilant. While work from home is the new way of doing business uh, in many ways, hopefully we can get back as soon as possible, send an email to tell your employees that they need to be super careful about what is happening. The next line of coverage is the property and business interruption coverage. Should I have bought coverage for something like coronavirus? And then who does? You know, we covered that. Um, Wimbledon bought it. Um, another company, this Pathogen RX, you know, the, the lead, the insurance would have helped in a corona crisis, but nobody bought it. These were policies that were specific. So let's talk a little bit more about um, the more common property policy and business interruption. Coronavirus will impact businesses on both a direct and indirect basis. Whether impacted indirectly as a result of supply chain disruptions, because many companies who they can't get product so if they can't get product because there's a disruption, they can't sell the product, revenue is dropping. And there's just a flat out drop in revenue due to quarantine. So insurers will likely look to a variety of first party coverages for relief. First party coverage is the property coverage, those things that you own, that you insure. Insurance is typically was written for weather related events, hurricane, tornado, hail, and accidents, fires, a car running into your building, things like that. Simply pointing to the coronavirus as the proximate source of loss will start the discussion, but a thorough review of the facts will be needed to find coverage. And go back for anybody who's late on the call, just to give the, the legal disclaimer again, I hate to do that, but uh, we don't know where this is gonna wind up. 
Uh, it's important to understand that depending on the policy wording, coverage grants, specific policies and programs could respond differently to identical losses. So two businesses right next door to each other with different insurance policies could have a completely different uh, outcome. So each claim should be evaluated on its own merit and the facts presented and the policy provisions reviewed and let the insurance carrier uh, know, um, give them the facts and they'll determine coverage. It's anticipated that in most cases, coverage will be a significant challenge. Most losses will not result from direct physical damage or direct physical loss. This is typically required for coverage to respond. This is why insurance charged a premium for the fire, that direct physical loss, that direct physical damage. If you look at how does corona cause direct physical damage to a building? How does it cause direct physical loss? And therein lies the problem with policy language and what insurance carriers have been charging a premium for. Uh, also, there's a provision in policies that talks about civil authority. The civil authority, uh, this sometimes triggers coverage, but the civil authority provision is typically hinged off, again, direct physical damage or direct physical loss. So if a fire occurs in a building and only uh, takes 30% of a building and a company could possibly, uh, a company could possibly continue to do work, because 70% of their building is still operational, civil authority may say, based off of code, based off of uh, street ingress, egress, uh, we're gonna require that you shut down due to the fire, even though it was only 30%. That is the civil authority that insurance intended to cover, not civil authority due to a pandemic. Insurance will respond to regional weather, regional, catastrophe, but it is not scripted for worldwide catastrophe. That's why all policies exclude war, uh, nuclear, things like things of that nature. And so therein lies the challenge that's going to be had. So we continue. We expect coverage to be tested given the emerging nature of the risk. Currently, states are putting forth bills to apply pressure to insurance carriers to possibly pay business interruption losses. The estimated business interruption losses currently are about $383 billion a month. Insurance carriers charge a premium for estimated business interruption losses, but the premium charge is for fire, weather events, et cetera, not a national or a global catastrophe. If insurance carriers are forced to retroactively go back to cover these claims, one, it would challenge on its constitutionality. All contracts could be null and void if legislation can go back and in turn change these. So again, that's the uh, legality uh, challenging the insurance industry's policy forms. Two, it also bankrupt the insurance industry and in putting all companies at risk for future losses. So if legislation was passed and insurance carriers were forced to pay this, it would largely bankrupt part of the industry and then say a fire does come through and levels a business. Tornadoes that have been hitting the Northeast and the, the Southeast here lately 
um, you know, if they can't have insurance coverage because insurance policies no longer exist and companies are going to be at a higher risk. So we're going to see. Now, currently, eight states have pushed for legislation. Ohio, Massachusetts, New York, Louisiana, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, New Jersey, and California. They have all pushed for some type of legislation to be passed to force or have the insurance carriers somehow uh, start paying business interruption. This may wind up legisl legislating or litigating. And those that have their information to the insurance carriers in a concise and professional manner will most likely be in the most favorable position. So this is the statement that I wind up making more than anything. And that is coverage is gonna be a challenge. Coverage many times is gonna be declined, but this may wind up legislating or litigating. Based off of that, those that have prepared and those that are starting uh, to put in claims are gonna be in the best position when and if this does happen. So it's industry-wide, uh, there is discussion of a similar type act. We have the TRIA, which is the Terrorism Risk Insurance Act. If a terrorist event ever occurs, that would pay. Now they may come up with a version uh, for uh, corona and pandemic type events. So if a business feels like they have a claim, here's what they should do at this point. Document the event. Get ahead of it and so the adjuster can evaluate the claim. When reporting a property or business interruption claim, the following information is a good starting point. One, get it in sooner rather than later. Include a description of the property involved, your locations, et cetera. Give the insurer as soon as possible a description of how, when, and where it started. And I know some of these things are difficult because, uh, but if you give dates of civil authority, when business fell off, uh, give a narrative outlining the loss. Provide details of impairments, direct damage, if there was any direct damage. If you had to shut down because a supposed in, uh, infection or something happened at the location that you had to clean the building. Provide details that outline civil authority actions. So our city locking down, give the dates. Provide to the best of your ability, details specific uh, to suppliers, uh, vendors that maybe you could not get product to sell. Uh, somebody out of the Northeast who couldn't make it across state lines due to quarantine. Uh, different things that prohibited you from uh, maintaining the current sales, sales you did prior to Corona. If I've heard of others who are trying to set up in a different accounting function in some of their uh, management systems for IT, where they can put on a separate code for uh, Corona, you know, so they're putting in a uh, something to track the costs and the additional expenses and the lost revenue, the decreased revenue so that they can track it. And that'll be make it a little bit easier. But uh, record business interruption and extra expense. Uh, other things to consider are wages for employees involved in any cleanup or repair, overtime paid for employees to fill, fulfill orders that would have been completed during normal hours, 
outside vendors that may be involved in cleanup, repair, et cetera, if you have to lease employees, record all expenses that you continue to incur despite the necessary suspension of your operations. So this may require uh, complete financial records uh, that may business income, uh, P&L statements, things. But I, I wanna caution anybody who just throws financial in, uh, documents to an insurance carrier and has a ambiguous or a vague description of business falling off 20%. I would recommend that anybody um, put a finite or try to put a number to it with uh, maybe a directional uh, change. So if you said we had a million dollars in losses, but at this time that number could be 20%. If you just throw financials at an insurance company with a percentage of uh, possible loss business, that's gonna allow them to determine what your number is. And once an insurance carrier determines what your number is, it's hard to walk back. I would rather have my clients, my customers, give us a more definitive number with you know, some margin saying 10 to 20%, five to 10%, something that uh, allows for some wiggle room, but pick your number, otherwise an insurance carrier will. Now, again, most claims are gonna likely be denied depending on your situation and the policy, of course. But you gotta contact your insurance agent, your insurance carrier for that advice. Now, an insurance agent cannot advocate for you until that insurance claim is put in. And so can't fight for you on your behalf, fight the insurance carrier unless that claim is put in. So uh, think that tells you a little bit about where I stand with my clients. Now, a lot of companies say, well, right now revenue has decreased significantly. We're in a you know, survival mode. How do I lower the cost of my insurance now? And so what uh, I recommend and what we do for our clients is you find out if the policy is auditable. If you carry workers' comp, all workers' comp is auditable. The general liability many times is auditable. You ask your agent, you go back, the workers' comp is audible off of payroll. So if you go back, track your payroll for 12 months, show the dramatic decrease, provide it to your insurance agent, your insurance carrier, and say, based off of the current situation, I need my exposure basis revised down to the current payrolls. If the general liability is based off of payrolls or sales, do the same. If it's sales, track your 12 months worth of sales. Again, put together good information that says, here is 12 months worth of sales, and here is how it's dropped off since the coronavirus. We don't expect things to pick up back to normal for the next three, four, five, six months. We would like our exposure basis adjusted now. And based off of that, insurance carriers, not all, some, it's their own discretion. Some say we will pick it up at audit. You know what? Depends on when your insurance expires, when it renews, that that may be tougher to deal with. Uh, if your insurance renews in three months, uh, the insurance company may not be willing just to uh, change the exposure basis at this early time uh, with three months left. But if you just started a policy and you're three months in, 
I would very much push for some type of relief uh, based off the current situation. On April 15th, the Texas Department of Insurance uh, issued a uh, bulletin urging insurance carriers to do their best to, on all auditable policies, to try to accommodate uh, and encouraged insurance carriers to do their best to accommodate their insureds with uh, some type of midterm adjustment if the proof is provided that uh, the payrolls, that the sales, whatever it is, that uh, is the exposure basis has changed. So again, uh, to get any kind of relief the current situation, you need to put together good information, 12 months worth of payroll. And I would base that off of what your workers comp looks like by classification, your clerical, your whatever the different classifications are, show how it dropped off. Go to your insurance agent, your insurance carrier and say, here's my 12 months worth of payroll. Here's where it dropped off. I need to get my exposure basis changed to properly reflect the exposure basis that is currently had, that the insurance carrier currently is on the hook for if we have a claim. Sales, 12 months worth of sales. Here's what my sales look like. Here's what, where they are. I would like my exposure basis changed as soon as possible rather than waiting for the end of the policy term for the audit. So that's the best way to get some type of relief as it stands. So with that, um, that is pretty much where I wanted to head uh, as far as a description of the different types of coverage lines and anything that you can do at this time to possibly get some relief. And again, each insurance policy and insurance company agent is going to have their own uh, guidelines. So you'd have to approach them directly. With that, I'll be happy to take questions or anything we have. Okay, so we do have 11 questions that came in during the presentation, but let me just go ahead and let everybody know again, if you would like to ask a question, if you're tuning in with us via Zoom, you can ask the question via the question and answer panel, or if you are one of the brave souls who wants to ask your question live, I know some people are a little shy, you can go ahead and raise your hand. Um, I will unmute you on my end and then you can ask your question live. The other option if you are tuning in via Facebook Live is to go ahead and submit your comment via the, quest via the comment section and our communications director, Patrick Espinosa, is sending by to provide us those questions that you all submit via Facebook. So I'm going to go ahead and give you all some time to get your questions in and launch into our first set of questions. So of course, one of the questions that we received is how can I access the documents that you showed? I will uh, provide those to Michelle and she can forward those on. So if you'll uh, get with Michelle, I will uh, get the documents and uh, this is USI material. It'll give some guidance and I'll, uh, it'll give a little bit more detail. And you'll be able to find those. We're going to be uploading those to our COVID-19 page on our website as part of those resources that we have available to you. So you'll be able to find them there. 
So our next question is um, about pandemic insurance. I'm sure that everybody was probably secretly making fun of Wimbledon in the background being like, ha, these guys are paying for this, this policy that they're never gonna need to use. And now look who's laughing now. But we do have a question asking, is pandemic insurance only for big events like Wimbledon or could small businesses invest in this or would it be too cost prohibitive for small businesses to do something like that? I think it's going to be cost prohibitive and right now due to the fact that uh, it is such an unknown factor of where this is going to be headed we will not see anything for smaller businesses for a while and i myself i actually put in i was supposed to be in california for a uh, vacation and i had a vrbo and i bought cancellation insurance for that vrbo well of course i put in a claim and guess what the vrbo cancellation insurance excluded pandemic communicable disease. So even a small, and I'm not saying VRBO was the insurance carrier, it was a small insurance carrier for that VRBO. And so uh, there will not, most likely not be any type of insurance for small business until we get a little bit further down the road. So you just mentioned communicable disease claims and we do have a question about that. Are those kind of claims more likely with employees that travel or travel often for business purposes? I would say yes, the, someone alleging that they got it due to, but again, they're gonna have a difficult time with the proof because they're gonna have to basically come up with the time, place and how they got it. And so employees who do travel come in and say, I feel I was on a plane and I got it on this plane, the insurance carrier possibly come back and say, how do you have proof that that happened? Now, if, you know, giving you an outlier here and they prove that 20 people on the plane also got it, now we have a little bit. But if he's a one-off, if she's a one-off, uh, they'd have a difficult time with the insurance carrier saying, we're gonna step up to the plate and pay this because people come into contact at the grocery store, at the restaurant, with family members, all kinds of other things that are outside of the scope of employment. So we do have another question, I'm guessing regarding the communicable disease claims, um, but what about hospitals and their employees? Could employees make a claim under that or, or would there generally be some kind of um, prohibition on specifically medical employees making these kind of claims? There's no prohibition that I'm aware of. And I think the people that are at a higher risk are those first responders, are those hospital employees. Now, again, I can't speak to coverage of hospitals carry, but those to me would be the higher likely uh, industries that would have those type of allegations. So we have another interesting question asking about emotional and mental health damage. So if an employee claims emotional or mental health damage due to an event at work, what kind of policy would that essentially fall under? Would that even fall under a policy? Yeah, uh, that's a mental anguish. You know, typically if it was a standard workers comp, if it was a standard type of claim, but because this is a, uh, a corona uh, epidemic, a communicable disease, the likelihood uh, that the employer could be found negligent is unlikely. So next question, what is your advice regarding claims about layoffs due to Corona? Because I know that you touched on that topic as well. 
Um, the biggest thing is when layoffs happen, there just needs to be the proper documentation. If you have an employment attorney, um, people may allege that I was older, I was laid off, you kept a younger employee, that type of discrimination. So uh, employment practices liability uh, policies many times will respond to those. Typically it goes to an EEOC complaint. If you get an EEOC complaint, turn it in to the insurance carrier. It's very sensitive for employment practices liability claims to be turned in uh, to the carrier so they have proper response. It's more sensitive than most policies. And on the topic of layoffs due to coronavirus, the next question focuses on that exposure basis issue. So should I lower my exposure basis if I hire, if I plan to rehire everyone within three months? Would it really be worth it for them to make that adjustment? The biggest thing is um, what is your situation? Are, are you able to afford your premiums? How big of a change in exposure basis is it? Is it 10%? Is it a 60%? So I hate to you know, give the answer of it depends, but you need to get the answer of what is my current exposure basis and how dramatic will the change be? So you got to talk to your agent, talk to your broker and say, if I had 3 million worth of revenue, you know, I'm giving you just an example, and I'm going to drop down to a million five, what potential change could that have on my current insurance for the rest of my policy period? whether that's six months, eight months, and then work out the math. But I get, it's worth it to go through the exercise, depending, especially depending on your situation. Uh, we, do, we have a lot of clients and customers all over the United States and in the Permian Basin. And the Permian Basin is having a very difficult time right now. So it all depends on your situation, but it is worth the phone call to your agent and make them do the work. Next question is focused on cybersecurity, which I think has been an issue for small businesses for quite a while now, but with everybody working from home, it's definitely at the forefront of a lot of business owners' minds. So this question is to protect our data and systems, what should we do to ensure those working from home know and follow the rules? The best thing is, is education. And I know this is hard, but uh, depending on who, uh, Support your IT system. Uh, if you have an IT third party, uh, get push out some type of uh, employee training just to revisit the issue about what to look for, what not to do, things because and an email as a reminder saying, guys, we're in a completely different work environment. Uh, we're working from home at this time, unfortunately. Criminals are exploiting people and manipulating people uh, during this time. Please be more vigilant. Here's a video, you know, whatever you can provide or whatever you have that is some type of video or training via your IT provider, put it out there. And I would definitely include in that also training on things like phishing phone calls and phishing text messages because businesses are seeing a lot of an increase in those kinds of communication as well that's leading to you know loss of information identity theft and other issues across the board absolutely next question um which is actually something that we've been getting quite a bit from businesses 
asking what can they do if the city forced them to close? So this one asks specifically, what kind of claim can I put in if the city forced me to close? We've had a lot of businesses also asking, could I legally take action against the city for forcing me to close? So what kind of claim might be appropriate for businesses? Again, the, the claim situation is difficult and most claims are gonna be challenging to get coverage because insurance is not made to respond to civil authority in itself. If a government martial law uh, is imposed in some way, shape or form, insurance was never charging a premium to cover something like this. And so large in part, it would take a legal and attorney uh, type operation or type of advice rather than insurance. Up next, besides the paperwork you mentioned, what else would be required for other claims? Other claims, that's a, that's a, broad, <laughs> a broad statement. I, I, I don't know outside of the coverages we talked about, you know, outside of medical malpractice or uh, professional liability errors and emissions that, you know, would be talked about, have to have a little bit more specifics. But, uh, you know, the best thing you can do is talk to your insurance agent, talk to your insurance carrier, give them the scenario. They may not give you the coverage determination right there, mm -hmm. but at least they could give you guidance on how to get it in, what your policy number is, what the carrier's uh, contact information to put them on notice to get a claim started and get the official denial from the insurance carrier to know where you stand and uh, have an agent, your agent, advocate on your behalf. So we do have one final question in the queue. So I will give everybody one last chance to either raise your hand to ask a question if you are feeling brave to ask it live ask a question via our question and answer panel, or for those of you tuning in on Facebook to ask the question via the comment section. Our final question is, is it even worth it to try and file a claim in the first place? My answer to that is, we don't know. We don't know given the current situation. Many carriers are issuing denials, but the overwhelming um, push both legislatively, uh, attorney groups, the possibility that it's gonna litigate. If you look online for 10 minutes and say, uh, attorneys suing insurance carriers for business interruption, you will find lots of articles. So is it worth it? My uh, standard answer is it is better to be to have all of your information together in, if this does wind up litigating or legislating, then you're gonna be in the best position to uh, wind up having a claim. We all saw with the temporary loan money, it dried up fairly quickly. Okay. And so uh, if something does legislate, if something does litigate, you would not wanna be on the tail end and be one of those that's late to the game. So our, my advice is to get in the insurance information to have a claim with a highly likelihood that it will be denied at this point, mm -hmm. but nobody can advocate for your claim if you don't put one in. 
And I think it's important to note as well that at this point, so many businesses are looking for some sort of relief. So why not just go ahead and try it? One of the kind of ideas is the worst thing that can happen is right now it's a no. And like you mentioned, legislation, litigation later on down the road might change that no into a yes. So do what you can right now, rather than, you know, a lot of those people that got in on the back end of those, those small business loans and are now struggling even more. Absolutely. All right. Well, Mr. Pridemore, I want to thank you so much for your time and such great, wonderful information for our businesses. This is, like you said, an unprecedented, unprecedented event. It's not something that anybody kind of anticipated we would ever have happen again. So all of the information that you provided to our businesses is extremely valuable. So thank you for taking some time um, out of your day to talk with us, taking some time away from your dog, who I'm sure is dying for your attention right now. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank all of you and be safe. That's it for this episode of Sharing Sweat Equity. Thanks again to our wonderful guest, Mr. Rob Pridemore, president of USI Southwest. And of course, thank you to our partners, Sun City Carpets and Epicenter. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and stay home.